Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I read about a woman who went to see her eye doctor for her annual eye visit. So you got the picture here. Her doctor put a contraption on her face. So it literally covered her entire face. And then he asked, what do you see? And she said, why, I see empty airports. I I see empty football stadiums. I see theaters closed. I see restaurants and pubs closed as well. And he simply said, well, that's perfect. You have 20-20 vision. (laughs) I would contend we all have 20-20 vision, do we not? Welcome to the contraption of COVID. Um, It's crazy. But, But it really if you will, in a light way, sets up the fact that that's what we're talking about, vision and values. And if you were watching last week, you'll know that I talked about a toolbox for life, that every one of us carry a toolbox. And that toolbox is our vision, and the tools in it are our values. And every decision we make, everything we do, is based upon that toolbox we carry. That is a fact of life. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is my toolbox by which I'm living? What are my values? You might remember I said this last week, that it's not that we lack vision. It's probably that we don't have the right vision. And it's not that we don't have values. It's we probably have the wrong values. We just need to ask ourselves, where are we going? And what do we value? What really matters? Now, I want you to write this down because I think one of the greatest tools that is in our toolbox or should be in our toolbox, in fact, I I will say it's in your toolbox. You may not get it yet, but it's the tool of time. It's the tool of time. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5, live life with a due sense of responsibility, not as one who does not know the meaning of life, but as one who does. And then he adds these words, Make the best use of your time. Now, let me read that again. Live life with a due sense of responsibility. And then he likens it as one who is wise. And you go, okay, what's the wisdom here? Make the best use of your time. Time is one of the most amazing things we have. I mean, imagine this. Imagine if I could show you how to take advantage of every moment you have in life. What if I could show you how to capitalize on every second that you live? Would you be interested? Well, who wouldn't be, right? I mean, we all know that God is entrusted with amazing things. Would you agree with that? Okay, guys, go ahead and look at your wife. Okay, thank God. All right? I mean, God is entrusted with unbelievable things. I was going to say, you know, Andre, Reed, you look at each other, but we'll leave that alone. Uh, but, but he has entrusted us with amazing things. But I contend time is probably one of the greatest. And we don't really even understand it. But time is an amazing gift that God gave us. But don't miss this. And he, resp- and, and he expects a return on it. That is in Scripture. Yeah. He expects an unbelievable return on it. So let me show you something. What I want you to do is I want you to take your hands and I want you to hold them out with your palms up and I want you to look at them right now. Just just look at your hands. And and don't look at me. I'm going to ask some questions, but but I want to ask this. Do you see it? 
Do you see the power of heaven and hell? Because they're in your hands, believe it or not. Your entire life of making a difference are right there in your hands, and we don't even know it. In fact, fact, look at me. Let me help you with it. You see, every day, and God's all about people, right? You have the power to push people away or to pick them up. You have the power to create fight, if you will, or extend a hand. You have the power every day to smile and wave or frown and wave. It's right there in your hands. And I want to show you this incredible difference of instead of wasting your life, how you can actually invest your life. And if you don't get this, real quickly, you'll look back one day and realize you ruined your life. They're right there in your hands. The power of time, and we don't even, we don't even recognize it. As simple as that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians 3. Now, I, I want to say this as you're going there because uh, this just dawned on me as we're going into a brand new year, but a brand new decade. And it's crazy to think that I have pastored this church in four decades. We launched in, in the 90s. I preached, if you will, all the way through 2000, the, the 2010 decade, and now we're in a brand new decade of 2020. Four decades. This is crazy. It's fun to say. Now, I cheat a little bit because I'm really on the bookends of really close of the turn of a decade, but still, four decades. But in those four decades, I've never preached a message out of Colossians. I've quoted scriptures out of it, and what's crazy is Colossians is one of my favorite books. You know, if I've got a top five, it's in there. And yet I've never preached a message out of it. So uh, if you got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in the very first verse. And, and this is about straightforward as you can get. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Since you have been raised with Jesus... You're to set your entire life, your focus, your mind, everything about you on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Now, let me just say it. One, one, a line there again. You have died and your life is now hidden with Christ. We have a new nature. The old nature's gone. We're to live in that new nature. You with me here? Mm-hmm. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. If it belongs to the world, you're to die to it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. 
anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of Jesus Christ. Now notice over and over, you see a pattern. You have a new life, you're to get rid of the old life. You're to be like Jesus, not like the world. You, you have a new nature, you need to get rid of the old nature. Do you see that over and over? He keeps coming back to that. You get rid of it, you put it off. It's not a gradual thing, you throw it out. It's the rotten food in the refrigerator when you clean it out. You don't keep it, you don't experiment with it, you get rid of it. You with me? Yeah. But what I want to do with this passage is I want, to, I want to give you three fundamental questions that will determine your life. I want, to, I want to show you three fundamental questions, and I mean that word fundamental. Fundamental meaning uh, these are not uh, negotiable. They're questions you must answer and questions you actually do answer. And I will say it again, is it the right answer? It's not that we don't have vision and values. It just might be the wrong vision, the wrong values. And the power of time, the power of heaven and hell is right here in your hands, but it has everything to do with how you answer these questions. So here's the first question. Who and what is going to be my authority? The first fundamental question we need to ask to making sure that we have the power, if you will, of heaven, of life in our hands and using every moment is we have to ask the question, who and what is going to be my authority? For no one functions outside the box. Everybody functions from a toolbox. You have an authority. The question is, who is that authority? What is that authority? It's a major question. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, Remember the Titans. It stars the left hand of God. Denzel Washington, okay? <laughs> I love that guy, I just gotta tell you. You know, it, if I was doing, if you will, the life of Christ, I'd cast him as Christ. I mean, he's just a cool dude. And so I love Denzel. But it, it goes back to a time, and it's taken out of actually a page of history. Parts of it are, are really a true story. And it's about a football coach. Now, if you know Denzel, he is a black man. And he's coaching in a time which was all about white supremacy. And he comes to a town where there's segregation in a very, if you will, very high, wrong way. And he has to coach a team that's going to be interraced. And so he decides to take the players away from their own known world, both players of black and white players, and take them to a facility where they're going to have to learn to play together. Well, the white kids want nothing to do with this. For one, they're already learning through their own parents that, that you don't have to, uh, if you will, submit yourself to a black coach. Well, of course, Denzel is going to have nothing to do with that. And so they're standing out trying to load the bus, and, they're, and the kids are getting themselves already separated. One bus is going to be white, one bus is going to be black. And, of course, they pull the, pull the athletes off and tell them, no, 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 the offense is on one bus and the defense on the other. But one kid, who eventually becomes the star player, who, who really his life is transformed, is standing outside the bus, 
And there's a famed line that comes from that moment. And it has swept the world. It's when Denzel looks at him and says, who's your daddy? And of course, the kid looks at his father and Denzel pulls him back and says, no, 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 you look at me. Who's your daddy? And he gets the kid to, realize, to, to literally say, you're my daddy. Because when we're going out, where we're going to be, I'm the one in charge. And it's a really a great question. And, and before I jump into that, as we're talking about authority and who's your daddy, I heard it said that children go through four stages. I think you'll appreciate this when it comes to, to dealing with their fathers. Stage one is, of course, the beginning of, this, of, of their life when they call you dada. Okay? Stage two is when they start to grow and then they call you daddy. Stage three is where they're now maturing and they call you dad. And stage four, well, that's the stage where they just call you collect. <laughs> and, and it seems like they never get out of that stage. It's really an interesting thing. But who your daddy is, is crucial. Who's going to be your daddy? Because whom you choose determines the power in how you spend your time. Authority is a big, big deal. Now, there are many sources by which we choose who our daddy is. And I want to give them to you. I want you to write the first one down. There's the possible option of me. I'm going to be my own dad. And we see this. This is a biggie. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human mind is the most deceitful of all things. It's incurable. Now, why did I say that? Because it's this word deceitful in here. It's the word that actually means to be misled in a wrong direction. Have you ever heard someone say, but it feels so right. It just feels so right. Do you know what they're doing? They're making themselves their own daddy. Well, it may not be right for you. And this is a big one in our world right now. Because study after study declares that our brain is not good enough of getting things accurate. Our brain just can't do it. Because of our own insecurities, our own pride, our own, our own ideas, we fill our minds with lies all the time. Like, I'm just waiting for the NBA to call. I should be the next <laughs> Steph Curry. I know I'm 55, but oh man, I still got game. You see how it works? We play this stuff all the time. Yeah. And we don't even realize we're making ourselves our own authority. See, here's the problem. Study after study says that our brain is not good. It's not even capable of getting things accurate. And here's why. Because we're the ones always telling ourselves what the problem is, who a person is, what a relationship should be, how to spend money, about everything. It's like the guy who goes into the doctor and says, Ann, every part of my body hurts. And the doctor goes, what are you talking about? He says, watch. I touch my chest, it hurts. I touch my arm, it hurts. I touch my leg, it hurts. The doctor says, get over here. Takes a good look at him and says, I know exactly what your problem is. Your finger's broken. <laughs> you know? But that's the problem. Exactly. The Bible says we're all broken. broken. Yeah. And yet we make ourselves our own daddy, our own authority. And that's the world we're in right now. A, a word we like to call it is entitlement what's always best for me. And you're in serious, serious problem. Because when you make yourself your own authority, 
think about this. You make yourself the own expert, which means the only person who tells you what truth is is you. As if you think you know what truth is. See, that's a problem. Proverbs 16 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, singular, to a person. But the end, if you choose it, leads always to death. And yet the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's what the Bible says. Do not trust yourself. But there's people who do by the thousands. But here's another possible option for daddy. It's not just me. It's what I call we, all right? I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about family and friends and movie and magazines. And people do this all the time. Is that true? And yet, 1 John says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Does anybody know what the word anything means? Okay. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and all that's in it is passing away. There's a moment of termination Okay? Expiration. It's, it's done. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, I want you to listen to this. Eugene Peterson in the message says it this way. Wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, it all isolates you from God. And yet, how many people, how many people are always more concerned about what a person thinks, what they see, what they feel towards them than they do what God knows I mean, I can go on and on with this. I mean, think about it. Looking good, feeling good, having the goods. Isn't that really what we always chase? So many people? That's their authority. And that's why it's easier to do this than this. That's why it's easier to do this than this. That's why it's easier to do this wave than it is. You see how it works? The power. It all depends on who your daddy is. But there's a third one, and it's the one that I think is right. It's not me, it's not we, it's he. It's God. And all I want to do is just show you what the Bible says about the three things we just looked at. Okay, looking good, feeling good, having the goods. When it comes to looking good, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's just the opposite. When it comes to feeling good, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, the pleasures of sin only last for a short time. It feels good. It's just wrong. The Bible goes on to say, you can have your kicks, but there's always kickbacks. It's going to come around. But then having the goods, Jesus himself said, real life is not measured by how much you owe. It's not about stuff. It makes no sense. I say it all the time. There's only two gods. There's Yahweh and your way. Which way do you want it? There's only Yahweh and your way. And I come back to the hands. Who's going to be your authority? Because that's how you're going to invest your time. It's how you're going to treat others. When you have a problem with someone else, that's an authority issue. But you don't know what they did to me. Who'd you just make God? You. 
You've, you, you have no idea what you did to him. Every, it, it goes on and on. The expectations we put on other, most of the time we won't even put those expectations on ourselves. Right. It's just crazy. It has everything to do with authority. You have to answer the question, who's going to be your daddy? Because that choice will determine and direct your life. And that's the power that's in your hands. Does this make sense? Yeah. What's going through your mind? I know in the last few months that um, somehow through study and prayer that my uh, spiritual health is, is improving because I'm thinking more about him than me. Uh, I was just thinking about this exact th uh, subject on the way out here. You know, people were jockeying in and out of traffic, and I, I know that never bothers you, but <laughs> it sometimes bothers me. And, I, and instead of getting upset, I just slowed down, pulled in the right lane, and started thinking about Jesus. Uh, and, you know, to, to be Jesus in your life, we, we all know that we're not capable of that, but we strive to do that. And, and uh, I have learned so much in the last uh, few months with the class, the, the New Testament class, and and just uh, being in the Word more uh, often, uh, that it's that it's that trying to be Jesus that really makes my life rich. Um, I don't think about material things nearly as much as I used to, and it's it's just a mindset that I'm really hanging on to and trying to ride that wave because. Uh, it feels very good. It feels good. Yeah, I think it's uh, very important to stay in the Word um, so it can have the authority over us that it needs to. Because whatever we're watching the most, around, surrounding ourselves with the most, is what has the biggest influence on us. And especially in today's age, with access to social media so readily available with the cell phone right in your hand, um, internet, the computer, everything on TV, we're influenced by that a lot more now than in the past. So it's a lot easier for that to direct our lives and our way of thinking, and especially with this me first type of attitude, especially on social media, everybody posts the selfies, everything they're doing. And so it's kind of, it, it influences others to also want to do the same thing. Kind of like that, um, missing, like you're missing out on something. So I need to also be involved in that same thing. And everybody has that same influence and then you're around other people and they have the same influence too and then you're kind of rubbing off on each other and it's just one cycle. That is, you know, whether you're by yourself, you're around it with social media, but when you're on others, they're thinking the same way as you are because they're getting influenced by the same influences. So it's more important now than ever to really make it be intentional and in staying in the word. I, I so appreciate how you're putting this whole series together of vision and values because you're right. However we make our decisions is based on our values. And so, for example, when I see people, and obviously I can be part of that, and my decisions based on what's pleasurable for me or convenient for me, well, I've already determined who my dad is, me. If it's winning the approval of others or like you talk about social media or the affirmation of others, well, then it's we. But when it's what God's word says, that's how I make decisions. It doesn't matter what I feel at, then it's he. 
it's pretty easy to determine. And I, I still remember something that you said uh, when I first had it, started coming to the church, and I wrote in my Bible, and I've, I, read it almost, I read it every day, that God doesn't owe me. He owns me. I read it every day to remind myself, who's my daddy? <laughs> exactly. So that's a fundamental question, the first one. Here's the second question. How do I want my life to end? See, I'm going to continue to remind all of us, we all die. And, and people are like, you've hit that one over and over. We get it. I don't think we have. You watch how people live. You know, playwright George Bernard Shaw, you probably know that name. Here's something he said. The statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one dies. <laughs> it's true. But this is so fundamental and so paramount. Because watch this. If we really know that we die, then why doesn't it change how we live? That's why it's so paramount. See, I contend one of the greatest weaknesses we have is what I call in-the-moment short-term thinking. I think it's one of the greatest problems we have, especially in our day, in our world now. It's this in-the-moment, okay, short-term thinking. It's that commercial, I want it all and I want it now. As if somehow we are owed this. And yet I know that there's some of you might be thinking, but pastor, isn't that what we should be doing? Living in the moment? Making every moment count because we know we're going to die? And the answer is absolutely. When you answer the question. When you get the question truly answered. How do I want my life to end? For if you want to live in the moment, you have to start with the end in mind. That's the game changer. Or, or as Frank Sonnenberg said, don't forego your long-term dream to satisfy your short-term desire. But if you don't have the dream, you're going to satisfy every desire. Uh, let me say it this way. When you start with heaven, you'll stop living like hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good word. It's that simple. <laughs> Isn't it true? That's not true. Uh, let me tell you something about temptation that so many people miss. Temptation is not an issue between right and wrong. Temptation is the crisis, the crisis between now and then. Let me say it again. Temptation is not, if you will, the issue between right and wrong. It's the crisis between now and later. And when you settle the later, it always changes the now. How do you want your life to end? 1 John 2 says, the world, again, we already quoted this, the world and its desires will pass away, but those who do the will of God will live forever. So what's going through your mind? I'm thinking about um, the book, The Principle First You Had Us Read, I don't know how many years ago, um, but I didn't read it right away. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it um, while I was pursuing pole vaulting. And the, what really hit me, because my parents brought me up with tithing, so that wasn't like a new thing to me, but he talked about time in that book. I don't know if you remember. 
And he just talked about like, if you're speeding everywhere, you're not managing your time wisely and time's like the greatest gift. I mean, obviously you started our tool boxes time. And like, it just changed the way I thought about time. Like, am I planning enough ahead of my day to know when I need to leave, when I need to do things so I'm not speeding, so I don't get mad at other cars, <laughs> so I don't end up in a ditch in the winter, <laughs> you know, like things like that. It's changed a little bit having a kid because you kind of have to, you know, temper your time a little here and there because kids change that. But like, it was it was one of the biggest things because like, okay, what's most valuable? And I and then I even learned that more in my my career as a painter because you you have to plan a project by what takes longest to dry and like first coat second coat and it's actually spilled over into my life now like how do I get all the chores done really quickly <laughs> but still having time to spend with my son without taking away from him or spending time with my husband like how do we get our son to bed sooner so we can spend time together because that's not normal right now at <laughs> 20 months old, you know? So it's just, it's spilled over and, and God continues to teach me through different things that the value of that, that time that he's given us and, and, and spending, um, spending in the right way. And like, if I do it now, what am I foregoing? Like if I don't clean my dishes today, what am I going to have to forego to do dishes tomorrow or like three, you know, three different dishes or three loads of dishes, you know, so it's that daily, like, okay, if I pick up three things today of my son's, because, you know, kids are mess makers, but also of mine, like, I don't have to do that cleaning all at one time another day, you know, it, it's slowly growing and changing how I do things, and mm -hmm. and it's amazing um, how he continues to teach me through that, and hopefully I can instill it in my son, not just the tithing like my parents did, but that, that cleaning and and how to manage your day so that you, you're getting the most out of it and that God can like have you help others. Because in that time, especially in, in Arkansas, like I was able to help so many more people because I had that time and like God showed me and I had the money because I was tithing the way God asked me to. Like he even stepped it up and said, I want you to tithe on your gross now. You know, I always tithe on my um, net. net. And I'm like, God, this is a big one, but I'm trusting you. And like, and out of that, I was able to help a friend of mine. You know, it, it's the, those little, those small daily things that you're obeying God with, and then he'll bless you in a way that you don't expect it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the time I've wasted. I wrote down how much did I waste before I realized when I was looking at my hands and it's in my hands, I always think God's got the world in his hands, but you're right. I have my life in my hands and I did probably waste a lot of it when I think about it. Um, <clears throat> but I don't want to waste another second when I think of what my world is going to end like. It's like if I see somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet, I have to talk to them. Even if they know Jesus, I want to make sure they know Jesus. But, uh, but um, I don't want to get to heaven. I don't think we fear him enough. I was just talking about this with some of my gals that, you know, we've taught everyone that, oh, he's so great and he's forgiving. And as long as you got Jesus, you're okay. You can do what you want. It's like, no, that doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Someday I'm going to stand before him and he, he knows, I'm, I know my sins are forgiven, but he's going to ask me what I did with what I knew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who's the trail of people beside me that I helped bring to him? Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm scared. Is, is I, I want to be a greeter in heaven. That's my goal. And <laughs> I, I, just, um, I just want everybody to find out what it's like to get there. And we just did our goals it's first of the year in all of our five categories. And when we were talking about it, it's the first year that God has been first in every single category. 
whether it was my personal goals or our personal goals as a couple. We talked about all of that so that we don't waste a minute. I don't, I don't want us to waste a minute in figuring out how we get everyone we know to know Jesus. So question one is who is going to be your authority? Who's going to be your daddy? The second one that we just talked about is how do I want my life to end? Here is the third fundamental question. Is it worth the price? Everything that we do, is it worth the price? I don't know if you've ever watched a movie or something on television afterwards you thought, what a waste of time. <laughs> like, what a waste of money. But what you just said was, that was not worth the price. It wasn't worth the investment. I mean, during the election, someone once said, I watched the presidential debate, but I don't know if it was worth it. I love what they said. If I wanted to watch two old men fighting and screaming at each other, I'd have just gone to bingo night at the local nursing home, you know? <laughs> it's just true. I, I, and I heard that from so many people. What a waste of my time to listen to two, if you will, grown children go at it and never even deal with anything. And it, it just breaks our heart. But the, but the question is ever before us. Is it worth the price? Now, as I said earlier, everyone dies, everything has a price tag. I want to say it again. Just as true that everybody dies, everything has a price tag. If you ever hear, well, it was free, that's a myth. Nothing is free. So what are you giving your life to? And is it worth it? Because you're all giving it to something. Because your life is the most priceless thing you have. That's why I said, what's in your hands? It's not what's in your wallet. It's what's in your hands. So is the price that you're paying now worth the return you will have to face later? It's a great question, isn't it? And by the way, may I add, it's better to answer this question now than find out the truth of it later. Right. This is an important question to ask. Jesus said it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? And then he adds these words because most people don't finish the verse. Is anything worth more than your soul? I'm asking that. What is worth it? The American philosopher W.P. Montagu said it this, are the things that matter most at the mercy of the things that matter least? It's a great question to ask yourself. What really matters and is it worth the price? I mean, you just talked about this, Andre. When it's all said and done, there's a day that's coming sooner than later. Okay? We're all going to die. So how do you want it to end? And what you're doing now, is it worth the price? But that's all dependent on who's your daddy. See, watch this. What will you have purchased with this one beautiful life that you've been given? And yet they tell us the average person watches 141 hours of TV per month. That's 1,692 hours per year. That's roughly 15 years of your life if you live to be 78. 
But then they tell us that same person, these are the averages, will spend 6.8 years on social media. How much time do we give to second-class causes rather than his first-class calling? Mm. Almost 22 years of your life. And had no clue what was in your hands. See the power of your hands? Is it worth the price? Where there's 22 years. See, we have to ask ourselves that. Jesus said in Luke 16, the things that are considered of great value by people are worth nothing in God's sight. That's why who's your daddy's a big deal, isn't it? Because if it isn't God, your values just changed. Because those values are not God's values. No. No. And the dominoes continue to fall. You see, death is not only the great reality, it's also the great revealer. It just is. Because at death, you're going to find out the answer to the questions. You'll find out who your daddy was. You're going to find out how you wanted it to end. And you're going to find out real quickly if it was worth the price. But I got good news. And I'll close with that in a minute. But what's going through your mind? Just one more neighbor. Just, just one more kid. <laughs> That's what's going through my mind. Just one more. Instead of sitting home watching TV. I still think, think of uh, something you said, Keith, about, uh, about COVID revealing some things to us, exposing us, if you will. I've always thought that when, when people how people act under pressure, under controversy, under stress, tells more about them than when they hit the lottery and how they react to that. Um, and I think we're seeing that in our country, that things are, are tough and it, you know half the country feels one way, half feels the other way, and people are just losing it, out of control. It just seems like uh, we, we just don't see evidence of God in, in all of that madness. And that concerns me a lot. We, we know in finances that people who are successful versus people who are broke financially is, has, is irrelevant based on how much money they make. It's the fact that people who are successful financially know where their money's going. Same with time. The people that are successful in life know where their time is going. And it even hit me a few years ago, because I, I like sports, and I used to watch a lot of you know, football games, I think. And it just hit me, I can't, that, that's a waste of time when I can, at the end of the day, for nine minutes, watch all the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> instead of three and a half hours of a game. <laughs> and I can spend that time doing things with people. That, and I, so I made that conscious decision this last, last couple of years. I've not watched a football game all the way through I want, at the end of the night, I'll watch it. Instead, I say, who can I invest that time in? Who can I spend that time? Maybe it's my wife. Maybe it's my family. Maybe it's somebody else, a neighbor. Those kind of things. That's way worth more than time investment.
-hmm. I just keep thinking about goals like you talked about your goals and as an athlete and Andre you probably have the same thing like if you set this large goal like the whole um the crisis between now and later like Mm -hmm. if you have that goal in front of you you're going to choose later because that's your goal instead of now like as a as a college athlete like I had to choose am I going to do this like I mean let's just be honest drinking is a huge thing in college but I had goals to be a national champion I'm like well if I have the rest of my life to drink why would I drink for five years in college and ruin any chance that I would ever have you know because it was later versus now and like the same thing comes if we think about um reaching people like I'm young and I my my goals should still be eternity because that's where I want to end up right so what's my price now what are my goals what am I going to give up so that I can have eternity impact and how how am I setting my goals so that it will reflect that in um in now and and versus later what later being eternity I told you with Jesus, I got some great news. Because it's never too late. It's never too late. You may have a wrong dad. And I'm not talking earthly. But maybe when it comes to your authority, you can have a new daddy. That's the beautiful thing about God. You may have been living in the moment. But because of a new authority and God's authority, All of a sudden, now you have a new end in mind. And boy, the price tag completely changes, doesn't it? It's just never too late. No one in the Bible, the guy who wrote Colossians, is Paul, who who would know this better than anybody else. He lived a life for a wrong dad, you know? He lived in the moment. It was all about him. He was, he was, my goodness, spending, if you will, a price tag that was just crazy ugly. And yet he writes this in the book of Philippians. The guy who wrote Colossians, he says, I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else. Notice that. We just talked about that. Get rid of the old. It's the new. Therefore, I've discarded everything. And I'm going to talk about that as we wrap up. Counting it all garbage so that I may have him, that I may know him, that I may be in him. See, that's the key. I don't know who your daddy is. Is it Jesus? Well, you can't have two gods. You can't have Yahweh in your way. You need to understand what Paul, when you meet him, I just threw it all away. I discarded it all. I want to live for heaven. I want to quit living like hell. I want to live for heaven. I got a father. I got a great dad. And I'm going to live for heaven every day of my life. I have incredible power. And this this is worth the price. Throwing all of that away was worth it. There's a wonderful story that many of you will know and I want to close with. You might know the name of Harold Salem. He served for many years as a pastor in Aberdeen, South Dakota. He started the Christian Worship Hour, which was a televised ministry where he had preached God's Word. Man, I I saw that for years when I was out in Rapid City. Wow, 
That, that, that went out in many states. Well, he died last month, December 18th, in lieu of pneumonia and COVID. I want to read you the letter he wrote from his hospital bed on December 8th. This is crazy. Ten days before he died. Listen to what he wrote. To my dear friends of Christian Worship Hour, I'm writing this letter to you, my friends who have faithfully supported this ministry, which began in 1979. My goal as pastor of the Christian Worship Hour has always been and continues to be telling the world of the saving grace of Jesus Christ and encourage believers in their faith. I'm writing this letter to inform you that I've been hospitalized since Thursday, December 3rd. I'm being treated for pneumonia and COVID. As of today, December 8th, I am improving and feeling well. I thought it was important to let you, my dear friends who I love, know that I have been having some health issues and would covet your prayers. I'm hoping I can return to work within a couple of weeks, God willing. Watch this. At 99 and a half years of age, I certainly don't know how many days the Lord will give me to serve him. I'm hoping he raises me to full strength and allows me to continue ministering and preaching the wonderful good news that Jesus loves everyone and is not willing that anyone would perish. He's 99 and a half years old. And I'm asking God to restore me to full strength. I love you all. Harold E. Salem, pastor. That's a man who knows who his daddy is. Absolutely. That's a man who gets the end. You know, how I want it all to end. What kind of man at 99 years and a half years old is saying, God, restore me so I can reach one more? He doesn't say anything in here. Please don't be offended by this. He doesn't say, I pray that God would restore me to full health so I could spend more time with my grandchildren. He doesn't say so I can be with those I love and enjoy the great things that I've I've accrued over all these years. I pray that he restore me to health so I can tell more people. Wow. Wow. You think he understood the cost? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty... I am not pretty sure. I am confident he heard this. Well done, thy good and faithful child, my servant. Who's your daddy? You are. That's what Harold, you are, man. Wow. The power of heaven and hell is in your hands. I want to close with this as I pray for you. I'm wondering... I'm just throwing this out here because I've been doing this in my own life. When I'm frustrated, I've been saying, God, the first thing I want on my mind is look at my hands. When I'm angry, when I'm anxious or worried, I want to look at my hands. Because it's in the power of these hands that when I'm anxious and worry, I can do this. When I feel like I'm disvaluing that, that I can go, wow, great job. I'm just wondering if our third, first thoughts would be to look at our hands. 
before we do anything else. I'm just wondering, because it's working for me, it's changing certain moments where I would take things into my own hands. And I find myself sometimes where I was frustrated and I looked at my hands and guess what they were doing? And I went, oh, the power. And then in those, that, that moment, I'm making every moment count. Three fundamental questions, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. Paul's so right. We've been buried in Christ. It's through your cross and resurrection that our life is now new and the old nature's gone. We have a new daddy. God, our, our home is in heaven. We have a new place by which we live. We're just passing through. And boy, does that change the price in how we live. What really is worth what we do. God, I pray that each person who's listening and watching, that they're asking themselves deeply these questions. Who is my authority? Is it the word of God? Or am I still living by my old nature? Am I my own God? Am I letting my friends and the world be my influence and my authority? Have I solidified the answer to the question, starting with the end, will I be in heaven? Is my name written in the book of life? And how am I living? Can I right now say it's been worth it? But the beautiful thing in you, it's never too late. And we can start with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.